0: Hey, this is Brendan yourself from King's Church. Thanks so much for tuning in to our podcast. I pray that this message you're about to hear empowers you, encourages you, challenges you, and equips you to live the life that Jesus has for you. Thanks for tuning in. Well, I want to welcome you. Welcome everybody who's joining us this weekend. We are so glad you have joined us, whether you are... In PEI, we've got people in PEI at watch parties. We've got a growing group of people on the island, people in Nova Scotia, King's Church Halifax, shout out to you, West St. John. We've got people in Charlotte County, watch parties happening. And then of course in KV, we've got people at the Valley location this weekend, and then of course people all over all over the place. And so thank you for tuning in uh, today, as we begin a brand new teaching series called the 246 Reformation. The 246 Reformation, where what I want to do over the next four weeks is I want to ask this question. I want to ask the question, how do we shape our lives? How do we shape our lives? How do we shape our church? And how do we see this region take new shape? Uh, last week, I was at the gym Because I'm I'm like that, right? I go to the gym. No, I you can't. There's no there's no way to say I was at the gym in any kind. It's like a humble brag. Always, I was at the gym though last week, and I ran into a friend of mine who I hadn't seen in quite some time. Uh, Many of us kind of got knocked out of our rhythms during coronavirus, and. Uh, so it had been a while since I'd seen him at the gym. And so I go up and I say, hey, it's like, how are you doing, man? And he says, hey, I'm doing good. But he, goes, he turns sideways and he gives me the side profile and really sticks his gut out. And he says, I'm trying to work off this COVID bod, he says, the COVID bod. Anybody have a COVID bod today? You can, you can, you can at me in the chats. Yeah, he says, I'm trying to work off this COVID bod. And then he says, he goes, I look like 2020, is what he said. He said, I, I actually look like 2020. He goes, and then he got a little more serious. Like he was joking, not joking. And, and to be fair, I mean, he gained a few pounds. But he said, you know what? I got laid off. I sat on my couch for months with the kids and ate and played video games. I've been stressed out and it's been a tough time. And he goes, it's just good to be back trying to just get some shape, get in shape. And I think we can all relate to that a little bit, can't we? We can all sort of understand that whether you gained weight or maybe you lost hair or whatever it is in this season, we realize that there's a chance that 2020 has had more of an influence on our shape uh, than we think about it. Now, maybe you haven't thought about it this way. Maybe you don't really think about it the way I'm setting it up. But you need to realize that our lives are constantly being shaped. They're being influenced, they're being molded and designed and refined by forces outside of ourselves. Now you may not think about it this way, but every one of us are in shape. Not in shape like maybe we want to be, but you are in some type of shape. The question is, what kind of shape? And the bigger question is, what is shaping you? How are you being formed? Who or what is forming you? Now, for the most part, when we think about being in shape, we think about it as relating to our physical health. But the reality is, if you think about this with me for a minute, the reality is we are being shaped all the time. Our minds are being shaped. Our bodies are being shaped. Our souls, our hearts, our desires, our spirits are always being influenced and shaped by the lives that we live. The question, again, I want to ask as we start this new series is what is shaping you? Are you in COVID shape? Is 2020 shaping you? If you think about your life and you think about what are you shaped by and you zoom out for a minute, what would you say is forming you and influencing you and shaping you the most? Would you say it's been time off? Idleness? Empty calories, anyone? Depression, perhaps? Joblessness? Anxiety? Uncertainty? Jealousy? Politics? Grief? Greed? Drama? Regrets? Anxiety? Mistakes? Whatever. Netflix? What is shaping you? What's shaping you right now? I was thinking about this. It might not be what you think it is. I was talking to some of our team this week and just saying, you know, when we zoom back, I I was thinking about if I had somebody follow me around for the last few weeks, maybe even a couple months, and you were to ask them, do an audit about what's important to Brent Ingersoll, if you were able to read his thoughts and see what he does with his day and where his mind goes, and you were able to just sort of take it all in and then zoom out, and someone asked that person who was auditing me, then they asked them, what is the most important thing to him? I had to be honest and say, you know what, I bet you right now they'd probably say the thing that occupies me the most is my concern for the church. And if I got really honest, it's not just a godly concern, but there's some angst and anxiety in there. And I had this thought, Brent, are you supposed to be shaped by concern or are you supposed to be shaped by Christ? What is shaping you Now the Bible actually speaks to this idea of taking shape and and we need to actually understand this as something that we're responsible not just know about but to actually intentionally engage and deal with. The Bible would tell you you have to realize the pressures, the systems, and the patterns of this world are constantly pushing up against you and they're forming you. This is why at Romans 12, it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, this is Paul speaking to a group of believers in the city of Rome going through, I mean, talk about a difficult time. These guys were being persecuted for their faith. They were meeting underground. I mean, it was a difficult time to be a Christian. And Paul says this, In view of God's mercy, so in view of God, offer your whole life, your body, as a living sacrifice. Throw yourself into this. Holy and pleasing to God. And then he says this, This is your true and proper worship. Now, here's the key. He says... Realize, do not conform to the patterns of this world, to the pressures, to the things that are trying to actually infuse their will upon you and make you take shape after it. Don't conform to that, but he says this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The call and challenge of every believer is for us to press back against the pressures of this life and seek Christ-like transformation. That's the goal of every believer, that we are called, think about this, we are called to take a Jesus shape. That's actually the call and the the opportunity for every Christian, that we are supposed to be like him. And now, I got thinking about this for a minute. It's like so many times that I've heard growing up, you know, we get to be like Jesus. And you hear about the song, there's old songs about just to be like him. You know what, if I can be honest, I used to have like, that sounds really boring, being like Jesus, like being good all the time and having feathery hair and never getting angry. or all, like, And I didn't know the real Jesus. But the Jesus I read in the Gospels, like, who wouldn't want to be totally full of peace at all times? Who wouldn't want to be alive like Jesus? Not just like vitality of life right now, but forevermore. Who wouldn't want to be fearless in the face of anything? That's what it means to be like Jesus. Who wouldn't want to be unbelievably kind and compassionate? And naturally so, not just because you should be, you actually have that as your inclination. Who wouldn't want to be wise like Jesus, smart like Jesus, powerful like Jesus, optimistic like Jesus, merciful like Jesus, selfless like Jesus? Being like Jesus, when you think about it, actually sounds pretty amazing. And that's the call of a Christian. My favorite Christian author, C.S. Lewis, named my dog after him. Uh, true, true story. He said this, Christianity is the process of having yourself changed into the image of Christ. That's the goal of Christianity. Yeah, maybe you thought that Christianity was, I believe this thing and I go to heaven when I die. No, that's, 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 not, that's not it. Christianity is God's process of making us like his Son that's what Christianity is. And I believe that's what God is doing in this time. Now, here, here's what I want to just get to. How are we being transformed into the image of Jesus? Today, as we launch this brand new series, this 246 transformation, I want a reformation, I wanted to talk about and, and bring that question up, up to us, that how are we forming ourselves like Jesus? And over the next four weeks, We're going to look at four major ways that God actually works to shape us. Now, we're not alone in this. This is the good news. God is always working. The Holy Spirit is always working. The blood of Jesus is always working to shape us into his image that we would have life and life to the full. But I I want to explore four ideas, four things that God, four like forming things that God uses. And today, here's the first one. I want to talk about something. It's a little abstract. I promise not to go too geek on you. But here's what I want to talk about. Here's the first thing that's so important that we understand as it pertains to how God shapes us. And and it is this here's the first thing. The first thing I want to talk about is this time. Time. God uses time, the times. He uses it to form us into the image of His Son. If I had a, a title today, I would call it Shaped by the Times shaped by the times. And I want to look at this idea of time. Here's the principle. Here it is. If you're taking notes, write this down. Look, church, this is a time, whether you're watching online, you're at the valley, wherever you are, this is a time. We're about to go into some grown-up faith season, okay? It's time to lean in, take notes, learn this stuff. God is after maturity. Can I get an amen? Amen. And so this is what we're going to do. And so here's here's the principle. Here it is. God uses time to shape us. God uses time to transform us and shape us into his image if we will let him. God is not a bully, but he will use time to shape us. God purposes the days, the seasons, and the circumstances of our lives to form us into his image for our good. This is actually the meaning of Romans eight twenty eight. Some of you have heard that scripture before. God causes all things to come together. Not God causes all things. God takes all the things that happen to us, and he causes them to come together for our good. That's, that's kind of where this concept is coming from. God seeks to leverage the times in our favor and for his glory. He uses them to shape us. He takes the times and he makes it shape us. What times? All times. The best times and the worst times. The best years of our lives and the 2020s. He takes them all and he uses it to shape us. Now, really question, it might seem obvious, but when you get thinking about it, have you ever tried to define time? What is time? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it, what is it? It's, it's a bit of an abstract concept. Now, I promise not to dive too deep into the theory of relativity. We're going to just keep it straight for, for our purposes today. But what time essentially is, is this. It is the events of life. It is the relativity of the events of life that we go through. Time, in fact, isn't actually as solid as we think it is it's actually measuring the events of life in relationship to one another. That's really what time is. Now let's just park that. It's not super helpful for us, but understand that time is the passing and experience of events, especially the big events of life. That's really where we measure time from. Time is the passing of the events in our lives. Now, there's a couple ways to understand time. The, the general Western mind understands time this way. Time is linear. It ticks. It moves forward. It's chronological. Like sand in the hourglass. These are the days of our, of our lives. Yeah, Valley Location knows that one. <laughs> this is McDonald Carey, and these are the days. Of, I, don't watch, I don't watch soap operas. You do. So the Western mind thinks of time as this linear thing. The Eastern mind, however, and we're not so detached from this, often thinks of time not as this linear, forward-moving thing, but in fact, it's cyclical. Time isn't a line, time is a wheel. Time, you've heard it said, what goes around? Comes around, yeah. So, okay, so time isn't as straight as I thought it was. In fact, maybe there's this cyclical component to it. And Now, these are both kind of true, according to the Bible. But in many cases, you're going to find truths in the world that are sort of true, and God colors it in with more beauty and and more strength and rigor. The Bible tells us that, first and foremost, God is a God of time. God created time, that, that time was not something that existed until God made it, and God is outside of time. It actually tells us in Genesis. I wish we could look at this in more detail. But on day four, God created time. Now, some of you are like, well, I thought there was seven 24-hour days. Well, I don't know. they not, not according to the Bible. There's day four. We didn't even have time. So day four, God creates time and God says this, let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. So let's bring some relativity between day and night and let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and the years. So God establishes markers in the sky, in the solar system. We have much more understanding of what that means now. But he he establishes these markers so that we can mark or measure or have a baseline to understand the movement of time. And now, the Bible gives us two main words for time. The Bible gives us two words that aren't in my notes, but I'm going to tell you them anyway. The first word for time is the word chronos. And chronos is is where we get the word chronological from. It's it's that idea that things are moving forward. And the Bible uses that. The Bible talks about like when Jesus was crucified at this certain hour. It's using the word chronos. it's, It's how we understand time most traditionally. However, the Bible has another word for time, and it's the word kairos. And kairos is a very critical word that we need to understand. Kairos doesn't speak of the chronological nature. Now hang with me. I know we're going deep dive for a minute, but it's going to set us up. Kairos speaks of cyclical fulfillment. Kairos in the Bible, this word, it actually means like the fullness of time. For instance, like when Jesus was born in Nazareth, or when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, sorry. It says, in the fullness of time. Jesus was born or when when uh, Paul says uh, at just the right time chronos Christ died for the ungodly and it, what it speaks to is not just happenstance or circumstance but divine design a window of appointment that God establishes a moment in time for his purposes and God uses these chronos moments these kairos moments to actually shape us most profoundly Time runs chronos, stay with me, but God brings about massive transformation through these chronos or kairos moments. Kairos moments are these moments where God appoints transformation. It's a window of opportunity. And let me just say this. I set all this up so you understand something. We are in a kairos moment. 2020 is a kairos moment for the whole world. Not just for the West, not just for the church, not just for you and your family and what you're going through and me and my family and what we're going through. 2020 is a divinely appointed Kairos moment that God has established at just the right time and it is happening. There is a window of appointment happening right now that God is using for his purposes if we'll let him. And it begins with recognizing it. We have to recognize the times. We need to realize that this is not just some happenstance, but God will use these unbelievable circumstances, and I believe this has been appointed. Now, there's some reasons for that. I believe this is more than just some crazy year we're all experiencing, although it is, and there's some things that are just like, wow, crazy, murder hornets, okay, right? But I think there's much more going on than that. 2020 is actually speeding up and solidifying changes that have been happening over the last several decades. It's actually bringing it and tying it all up nice and neat. It's, 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 it's speeding this decade up. I, I spoke with a pastor who pastors a, a CEO of a major corporation in Silicon Valley. And the CEO is telling him that, uh, you know what, what's happening right now is going to shape the habits of consumers for the next half century. That's how, that's how unprecedented, we use that word, but that's really what's going on. This is an unprecedented time. This is a Kairos moment. This is a moment where the whole world is experiencing the same thing at the same time. What an opportunity for God to move in. What an opportunity for God to use. This is a Kairos moment for the church. Now, I don't want to geek out too much on, on Christian history, but just so you know, there has been a cycle of reformation in the church. The year zero to 500 ish, the church kind of got established, and then you saw somewhere in there this kind of slow degradation of the church. And then about 500 years in, God brings a mass reformation to the church, and there's this shift that happens. And then it happened again in the year 1000-ish. There was a great schism where the, the church kind of separated from old wineskins, so to speak. And then in the 1500s, Martin Luther, some of you are familiar with that one, called the Great Reformation, where he stood up and said, you know what? We all deserve the Bible. We all need to know God, and we're not going to stand for some of these things that have been going going on in the church and another great reformation happened. Well, y'all, it's been 500 years. I wonder what God could be up to. Now, do I think this is the end of the world? I I don't think so. I think God's got things he's up to. But what I know is this. This is not just some ordinary time. I believe this is a Kairos moment. And I want to ask you today, do you realize what this opportunity is? We are writing history with God right now. I know, like, some of you are like, I'm sitting in my underwear on my couch today. This doesn't feel like history. <laughs> we are, this is a Kairos moment. And, and I felt to just say, like, wake up and recognize the times. Fight the tendency. I, I've been fighting it myself. Like, that feeling of, I just want to go to bed. Anybody just want to sleep this whole year off? Like, let's just go Hibernate. The church needs to be the first to wake up and say, this is an opportunity for the kingdom of God to come crashing in and bring revival and renewal. The whole world is looking for answers and God is the answer and we need to be the ones that wake up to it. This is a moment. This is a Kairos moment. This time, this season has the power to shape us in ways. I was thinking about this. I believe right now God is gonna be showing us the things that he wants to set up for my grandchildren. We are building my grandchildren's church. Like in some of you who could be my grandparents, you get the chance right now to to ask the Lord, how would you have us follow you? How would you have us be Christians right now? How do you want to see the kingdom come? And it's not just going to affect us right now, it's going to affect generations. I just had the Lord so speaking to me lately, like just saying, Brent, you are in a moment that will probably most strongly shape the second half of your life. I I firmly believe this is more than just some season we need to wait out. In fact, does, does it occur to anybody that it seems like this is dragging on a little bit? Maybe that's because God isn't done. Maybe because there's some more things that need to break. Maybe there's some more desperation that needs to happen. Maybe there's some things that God has yet to, to do with us, and he's got to get us to that place. Now, some of you are thinking, well, I think you're, you may be overblowing this a little bit, Brent, but you've got to understand how God works. I, I, I was thinking about it like this. There's my chronos and kairos. There you go. Chronos, chronological, but we are in a kairos moment. We don't have time to go back. I hope you caught it. But I've been thinking about it like this. We are are in this moment, and I I believe it because you've got to understand how God works. Like, I'm going to call this the transformation timeline. If I was going to give it another title, I'd I'd call it the character continuum. Or maybe the formation frequency. i got names for days. The shape schedule. I'll stop, I'll stop. The profile procedure. I'm really done, okay. The contour, anyway, all right. So this is this is effectively it, how God moves and how God shapes and how God reforms. This is this is basically what happens. Let's let's call this nor let's start here with like whatever normal Christianity is. Let's talk, let's like let's pretend what we were doing in December. And let's start right there with, with normal. What happens is, as Christians, there is this gradual drift. Gradual drift. Uh, I heard one theologian say, we don't drift towards holiness, we drift away from it. And God ends up bringing these times of discipline and these times of pressure to cause us to come back to him for renewal and reformation. But what happens is over time, and you've probably seen this if you follow Jesus, your life isn't this constant just up to the right. It kind of looks like your RSP, doesn't it? You kind of go up a little bit and then there's seasons of dryness and seasons of maybe you're not feeling like you were and then something will happen where God will bring you back into order. That's how God works. And so what happens though is there's this gradual drift. We don't drift towards holiness. There's this kind of general loosening of standards beware of when you stop doing something you did when you were last in love with Jesus. And beware of when you start doing things you would have never done that moment you were last at the altar. Our standards start drifting. The, 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 the way that we relate to God starts shifting and changing. And then what happens is if, if you don't see that and recognize that and, and come back to God, you're, you're, you, lead, you go into this place of, of rebellion. It might not be, you might not think of it that way, it might not be outright, but it's this kind of gradual, gradual degradation of your spiritual life. And then what happens once we get here, when the people of God, and I would just, I would apply this to the whole world, God does this with the world, but when the people of God get to this moment, there comes a kairos moment where God will insert himself through pressure, through trauma. He will allow things to happen where refinement and discipline come in. And how many of you know you've served Jesus long enough to realize that God does not punish us. He disciplines us. And when he does that, he's doing it because he's treating us as what? As his children, legitimate children. But there's this moment, this kairos moment, where we we get into this zone where God is speaking to us through our circumstances, drawing us to a place where he's wanting to get us to call out to him, to return to him, to come to this place of realization where we've missed it, or maybe where he's trying to move us, this place of revelation. But in this kairos moment that we're currently in, we have the choice to either realize and repent, and to turn to what God is doing now to change. How I many know? Repentance is not guilt. Repentance is a new perspective and a new path. That's what repentance is. And, and God will discipline us to the point of repentance. And if we do not, we continue down the path of destruction. And some of you have loved ones who, at one point, they were very close to the Lord, and then you, you saw this kind of happen. And you saw that moment hit their lives. And they chose not to to fall on their knees and say, God, what would you have of me? And you see this gradual falling away. Now, the good news is no one's too far for the reach of God, but you've got to understand something. This is a moment of truth right here. This kairos moment. And when we repent, it leads to renewal. Every single time. When you repent and you call out and you cry out to God, it leads us to new life and renewal. And this is the zone that we're in. I know you can hardly read that, but just bear with me. We are in a Kairos moment where God is refining his church. And we have an opportunity to repent, to call out to him and say, God, it, you, and you know you can repent from things that aren't wrong or sin, they just are outdated. Do you know like old wineskins we need to repent from? Things that were great in their day, we need to turn from and say, God, what do you have for us today? That's the season we're in. God uses these times to discipline us. This is a kairos window of opportunity that we are in. We're in it personally as individuals. God doesn't waste this pressure. God doesn't waste this time of drawing out, this time of toughness. He doesn't waste it. He's causing it to come together for your good. We're in it as families. How many of how you felt that? I mean, that conversation I had with my friend who said I'm in COVID shape, he goes, you know what though? This guy's not even a believer. He says, you know what? It's been really good to be with my kids. We're in it with our church and we're in it in the region. 2020 is a transformation window and we have got to recognize it for what it is and then we need to realize the turn. What I mean? That's where this, this conversation of repentance comes in. We actually have to move beyond. Look, you're hearing me right now, but we need to move beyond agreement to action. Repentance is actually turning and, and stepping forward. It's not being hearers of the word, like it says in James, it's being what? doers. It's actually walking forward and saying, I'm done with that. I'm starting this. This is over and this is beginning. It's stepping into the new. And, And even if it's a baby step and you don't totally know what it looks like, but you know what he's calling you from. This is what God is calling us to. He's calling us out. And I just, let me just speak prophetically for a minute. I believe God is setting his people apart right now. This is a time of separation. I showed you on that last graph where it kind of goes like this. You watch and mark my words in the next six, eight, 12, 10, ne- next six, eight, 12, 24 months, whatever it is, you're gonna see God separate the sheep from the goats. And God is destroying, mark my words, he is destroying half-hearted, fair weather, convenient consumer Christianity. He is ending it. And he's raising the stakes. He's making it harder in the West to be a Christian. Anybody notice that? Maybe that's not Satan. Maybe that's the Lord. And if you look, look historically at the times the church has been the most vibrant and vital, it's been in some pretty gnarly circumstances. Maybe God is doing this. Maybe he's bringing us to a place where we have to actually decide to follow Jesus. You're you're in it right now. How easy is it to say, ah, I'll go to church when they get kids' ministry back. It's hard to sit there and gather your family in the living room. I know. It's awful. (laughs) But if if this is what it means to follow Jesus in 2020, we will do it. We'll do it. Jesus is transforming the church into a bride that's ready for him. No more halfway in the world and halfway into him. As a husband, there is no part of me that would tolerate my wife sort of liking me and keeping her options open. That wasn't a joke. We are the bride of Christ. And I wonder if... We've been more shaped by the world than we have by the word. We are in a Kairos moment, and I believe God is fixing the problem of our lives, being more half-hearted, and he's calling us to step forward and say, God, renew me, cleanse me, change me, consume me. He's calling out the real followers. Like, will the real disciples please stand up? That's what this season is. That's what this season is. It's time to repent. It's time to repent. It's time to be set apart. It's time for Christians to look like Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. Like, like, let's actually grow up. I'll say that to me. I'm not saying that to you. I mean, all of us. Like, maybe if we looked more like Jesus, the world wouldn't have such a hard time separating us from the culture. Like, just, I'm, I'm ranting now, but let's rant. Like, just, just a week or two ago, my wife and I were, were kind of grieving. There was an article posted about Catons Island, a place that we love. We send our kids to Christian camp. And there was an article posted about us not being basically politically correct and just how could you and, and you know, and all, all the kind of classic woke stuff. And I was just saying, Melanie, my wife was, and I were talking about it. She's just like, why, like, why does this stuff keep happening? And I said, well, I think part of it is The world doesn't know how to separate Christians from the world, and they think we're supposed to follow the same rules as them. If it was a Muslim island, they wouldn't have had a problem with it because they're Muslims and they're religious. But Christians have been so camouflaged and so like the world that it's offensive the few times we pop up and say, hey, we won't do that. But maybe this is a time where, like, we really start shining the light. I'm not saying, like... Being, being obnoxious, I mean like looking like Jesus, being peculiar, standing out, being strange, being aliens, like it says in First Peter, like aliens in this world, we don't belong here, you know. So we need to learn to realize the turn, to actualize it, to really do it, to repent, and then it moves to this idea, when in order to go forwards as Christians, we have to go backwards. We have to actually return to what God has already established and to look at the principles and the things that he's given us already and then ask the question, the question that every Christian is supposed to ask, Lord, based on your word, how am I supposed to follow you here and now? Based on what you've already said and established, what does it mean for me to be a Christian in 2020? How do you want to shape us? We have to return to the timeless. And so for the next couple weeks, next few weeks, we're going to kind of be hanging out in Acts chapter 2, taking our cues from what they did in the early church and just trying to pull some principles out of it. I'm not saying we're, not, we're like, oh, well, they didn't have TV screens. I better get rid of that. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is we want to look at the essence of what they were and what they believe and say, what are the building blocks that we're supposed to reappropriate and prioritize in our day? And so it says this in Acts chapter 2. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. There's all these these characterizations. And to say it, prayer, prayer. yes. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs. They were marked by power, miraculous power of God. We're going to see that more performed by the apostles all the believers were together so there was unity and they had everything in common community they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need generosity and compassion and mercy that marked the first church and then here it is 46 verse 46 where we get the 246 reformation it gives us these building blocks that we can understand every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. I believe that gives us a picture of the main building blocks of what it means to be a Christian and that every generation is supposed to ask the question, how do we keep the table set, the community of believers, and keep the temple sacred, be worshipers of the one true God? How do we do that? This is what I believe God is doing for us right now. We need to return to these biblical standards. The Christian way of life in Acts chapter two is established between the temple and the table, the temple, this idea of, of, of worship and Jesus. Like when you come to church in the past, that was a temple expression. We'd gather together and we worship and celebrate God. You'd hear the word. You're, you're doing it right now. This is the temple experience. Some of you are at the valley location. Some of you are in living rooms with friends. Some of you are watching by yourself. But you're doing this because you're keeping this day sacred to the Lord. That's the temple experience. That's the temple expression. But we also find the table expression. And I've spoken to this already, and we'll speak to it some more in the coming days. But we have been weak on this in the past season. And this is this expression of Christian community. They actually lived it out with one another. They didn't show up at the temple, worship Jesus, love the songs, high-five, and then go about their business. What did they do? They went from the temple to the table where they experienced life together. That's what the Bible establishes for us. That's what shaped the first Christians. They were formed by life at the temple and life at the table. That's what it speaks to. And so here's here's the deal. In closing, I'm gonna wrap up in just a second. We have to learn to rearrange the tools. This is what reformation is, reforming. It's taking what God has given us, given us, and asking them the question, like, okay, how do I express the temple in 2020 when we can't gather more than 100 people in a room? How do we do it? How do we express the temple? What what does it look like? Well, it looks like what? It looks like what we're doing. There's going to be people watching online. There's going to be house parties, watch parties. There's going to be some limited people at gatherings as we figure this out. We're trying to ask that question. How do we express this thing? How do we rearrange the tools? How do we reform? That's the big question. And how do we do it with the table? Here's here's what I know to be true. And I'll be done in a second. The substance of our faith is eternal and unchanging. We are always going to be temple, table, people. Even in heaven. Heaven is a temple table experience. Revelation 7 says that I saw a great multitude, more than anyone could number, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, gathered around in one big, amazing COVID-free horde, worshiping Jesus, praising him forever together, free of fear, free of pain, free of death, And then well, how does does Revelation talk about this great reunion? It's not just this big concert in the sky. It's the wedding supper of the Lamb. It's a feast. It's at a table. It's life. It's knowing one another, experiencing one another. This is the standard of our lives in every season on through eternity. And so it would behoove us, wouldn't it, to take it seriously? And say, God, how do I form my life as a temple person and a table person? How do I express what that looks like? How do I find a space to keep the temple sacred and keep the table set? That's the challenge of every believer in every season. And we have some unique ones right now. But look, God has given us the tools. He's given us the resources. We can do it. And I believe that this is something that God is doing in this Kairos moment. One of the things I believe he's doing is resetting the table. He's forcing us into more micro-community. This is why we're talking about home churches. This is why right now for the next six weeks we are going to be harping on, beginning right now, saying, you know what, if you're not not part of a home church, if you don't have people who know your name, if you don't gather around the table, you are missing out on what will shape you most, especially in this season. And so we are calling everybody at King's Church to join a home church. Is it going to be perfect? No. Is it going to be clunky? Yes. But is it going to be the table of God? Absolutely. And I believe that God is going to use this to change and shape us into the church he's trying to create. So ask the question. Ask yourself the question. How do I keep the temple sacred? Some of you got to fight the good fight right now. You're high risk. You can't come back to the buildings as we open them up. Some of you have kids. If we don't have childcare, you're like, there's no way I'm doing that. So you got to fight the fight and say, you know what? It's not ideal, but I'm going to sit here and I'm going to worship God in my basement, in my pajamas, and I'm just going to do it. It's about keeping the temple sacred. And some of you, many of you, were believing for 80 to 100 new home churches. You need to step out and say, hey, I, I need... I need Christian family. I need to enjoy fellowship. I need to break bread. I need to gather around the table. So here's some questions in closing I want to ask. Question number one, am I being shaped more by the word or the world? And don't just jump to that answer, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, me too, but you know what? I've been shaped by anxiety pretty bad the last couple months. Am I being shaped more by the word or the world? Am I actively engaging the times in faith and followership to Christ? Is there an area in my life God wants me to leave behind? What is God asking me to turn from as I turn intentionally to him? It's about repentance. Kairos, there are these moments of revelation where God says, this is the way, walk in it. What is he calling you to? Number three, have I considered how I'll follow Jesus by keeping the table set and keeping the temple sacred? this is the big question I want, you to, I want you to answer. And so as we've been saying, we're gonna have online service every single week. As long as there's internet, we're gonna be there. And, and so that's, that's just gonna stay and it's gonna serve probably the largest group of people. But we're going to start to continue to to experiment and expand our live in-person gatherings. and So it's happening in the Valley. We're going to be having a space. Uh, We've got a space we've lined up for West. We're working on it in Halifax, although it's going to be like mask singing. So that's fun, right? Hey, keep that temple sacred. PEI is going to be having worship nights and, and watch parties as well. But here's the big push for you today. You need, to join, you need to join a home church. And So if you can, you can go to our website, you can click on that, you can, you can find out more or the easiest thing to do is just text home to this number. So over the next several weeks, you're gonna hear it till we're blue in the face. Join a home church, get to the table. Join a home church, get to the table. That's what we're, we're trying to do in this season. So I wanna pray for us. Let me, just, let me just say this. This is a moment and God is calling us. Do not miss it there comes a moment when it passes us by. I was thinking about uh, my wife and I were so privileged to go on a little Florida trip before all this happened. How about the grace of God, right? He just knew I'd need it. And so we took the kids down to Florida and we, we went to Bush Gardens and there was this train that kind of goes all the way around Bush Gardens. And so we, we it's like, hey, the train comes at this time because my, my wife and I are a little more planners. She's an Enneagram one, I'm a three, so we're on point and uh so we're like train comes at this time so we're we're there we're like the first ones in line train comes in we sit down we're like okay let's go right and then the train literally waited for another 20 minutes while we'll just say people <laughs> decided that they were going to join us right and i was like when is this thing leaving right and and I had this thought, though, as people just kept coming and coming, and like, I, I was like, finally, we're going to leave, right? They're going to shut the gate. And then you just see another family with their stroller running to try to catch the train. And I had this thought, though. It's like, man, I'm grateful God's like that. He's unbelievably patient. But there does come a moment where he says, all aboard. This thing's moving forward. And we're in that moment right now where it's like the invitation is get on the train. This is a moment. The kingdom is moving forward. It is rolling forward. And it's not going to look like it did. It's going to grow from glory to glory and strength to strength. But don't miss it. Don't wait. Don't miss it. Don't, Don't be left behind. We need to yield to how he's moving. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this reminder today. We thank you for this truth. We thank you that we're in a kairos moment. Your word tells us to give thanks in all circumstances and situations. And so, Lord, we, even with the trauma that so many people have dealt with, job loss, I think of my friends that have lost parents and loved ones and people, people all through the world even. I, I thank you that in Atlanta, Canada, we haven't seen the, the, the loss of life like other areas have, but we realize, God, this is no joke. This is a heavy, brutal season. And so, God, we say in Jesus' name, don't waste any of it but use it, Lord, to cause it to come together for our good and the good of the whole world. And so, Lord, we speak life and reformation and transformation to happen. We thank you for this word. We pray that you would open the eyes of the church, call us to repentance and renewal. We love you and we praise you and we give you thanks for this word and we receive it with gratitude and action. In Jesus' name, everybody say, amen.